Right on, writers, and welcome, first-time viewers, back to the Books by Adrian author platform. This is Typewriters Podcast. This is the after show where we spend a little more time with this week's guest from Livestream Sunday, and uh, we talk more about craft and how we write and how we publish and more of that kind of stuff. So if you enjoyed Livestream Sunday this week with Melinda Cusero, you're going to get some more of her in just a minute. And if you have not just seen, if you have not seen it yet, click the link in the description down below and go check out that episode because she's a font of knowledge and uh, that was a great great time with her we got a lot of information and we're going to get some more uh so like comment subscribe all of that good stuff you know what to do i'm just going to have it on the screen anyway just so you have no excuses it's right there it's, and if you're listening on apple Podcasts or spotify uh give us a five-star review and uh write whatever you want about us in the review i don't care what you write as long as it's a five star uh, because that's gonna it's gonna give us a little bump. All right, y'all. Let's go ahead and get her back out here. The prolific Melinda Cusera. Welcome back. Hi, it's good to be back. <laughs> it was a, a very short hiatus away, but you are back. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> For everybody else, it's been like five days. For us, it's been five minutes. Time <laughs> travel. So on this one, we tend to get a little more into the the, the nitty gritty, as it were. And uh, before we wrapped up Livestream Sunday, it's okay, you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> before we uh, wrapped up Livestream Sunday, we were talking a little bit about, uh, you know, publishing on a budget, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I myself, like you, put, I'm putting out a, a, a novel with 166,000 words. And like you, when I looked up the quotes and saw what edit professional editors are charging, I was like, eh. Uh, but luckily, I have a sister who is a phenomenal writer, a much better writer than I am, and uh, she's been uh, her poetry has been published a, a couple times, and she wrote a screenplay that she's been uh, shopping around and stuff like that. So I was like, "Hey, sis, can you do this for much cheaper?" And so she's been editing my novel, my novel, and when she's done with it, she's almost done with it, and then I'll be done with a, a solid second draft after that. And that's gonna go to critique partners. I have made some friends up here on on AuthorTube. And uh, some some very very good writers who uh, whose work I enjoy and whose um, knowledge and, and and feedback I respect, they'll be tackling a little critiquing of of my novel, and I'll get another draft out of that. And then we're going to go through the beta readers stuff. So, all of that to say that there is absolutely ways to do it on a budget, as it were. Um, so, is is that kind of how you went about it? Was it was it uh, critique partners and beta readers? Did you never go for the for the professional editor? What did you end up doing for your first one? I didn't have critique partners. I didn't have a sibling who writes. I I had nothing. <laughs> so what I ended up doing was rereading it as many times as I could. I got an app for my phone called App Voice that reads back to you. And that was really helpful because your eyes will auto-correct if you type the wrong thing, but the AI is not that nice. It's, if you type it's gonna say does, it the wrong way. it will yeah. say both of them. And you're like, what the hell? And <laughs> I had that this morning, I was reading, it was reading back to me. I wasn't editing for um, grammar at that point because I'm still writing the book. I was more honestly like this, what? I just couldn't remember some of the earlier stuff in the book because it had been a while since I worked on it. And it's reading it back and I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa, what, what, what is that? And I started fixing the grammar and I'm like, and I was going to stop myself and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to stop myself because it's better if I fix the grammar 
you know, each time I'm listening to it, even though I'm listening to it for the plot, if I hear something grammatically wrong, it's better that I fix it now because then each time I'm listening to it, it's a cleaner and cleaner draft. And then by the end of that, like my recent book, uh, Chris Baker revealed that just came out on September 27th. I did have it professionally edited and she made about 25 edits and the book was 120 something thousand words. So, and that's because, because I work full time and I forget parts of the story. So I have that app read it to me and I'll let it, I'll listen to it for like two hours while I go for a walk and I'll just, anything I hear I'm like, wait, that doesn't sound right. Wait, that's not, I don't like the pacing of that. Or I don't, hmm. I don't like that sentence and I will just fix it. Even though I'm listening to it for the, for the plot while I was writing it. And by the end of that, you end up with a pretty clean draft. Yeah. The only thing that the AI can't do is those words that, um, if there's two, if the word, looks right if 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 it's those words that like um that are pronounced the same but are spelled differently i forgot what those are called but um that sort of thing it can't pick up yeah like if you had t-o and you needed t-o-o right you can't catch that with the ai or you had the wrong there because you used an uh, you know the what am I call it? The narrate button on your phone, and you said, and you said, "Hey, they went there, and it picked the wrong one, or whatever." Because sometimes yeah. it happens. You know, um, I'm gonna add this to my arsenal. It's it's a really good idea because one of the things that I do is uh, part of my routine is when I sit down to write something new, I I just write the new thing, whether it's a chapter or whatever it is. I use the whole writing session to do that. And then the next day when I sit down to write again, I edit what I wrote the day before first, and then I write something new again. I I, I can't move on to something new until I've edited yesterday's work. And I, I do that for two reasons. Number one, like you, I like the document getting cleaner and cleaner every time. So every time I go back through and, and do another pass, I'm going to catch all those things. Even though I'm not in the proofreading stage yet or anything like that, I'm going to fix the grammar problems that I find because I found them. So I, yep. I should I should fix them. Um, and then the other thing I do when I'm actually editing uh, rather than writing, but just full on, I'm editing the novel. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll change the font on the document so it looks completely new to my eyes mm-hmm. and I'll read it out loud. And reading it out loud is where you catch those mistakes. But 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 in between, I'm going to add the app there because that's uh, that, that's really good to have something else, some some foreign voice reading it to you. You're going to catch a lot more stuff that you didn't catch before, for sure. Yeah, for sure. especially since the voices that apps that read documents to you are it's more robotic, so you you're going to hear every little mistake, and yeah. that's good. You want that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I say on here all the time, uh, you know, my, my, my viewers are probably sick and tired of hearing it, but when I, unlike other authors, I know so many that will send out their manuscript or whatever they're, they're, they've written to an editor and immediately start panicking because they're afraid of it coming back covered in red. And I'm like, why? I want to get it back covered in red. That's, I want you every get your money's op- worth. Absolutely. And, and to get every opportunity to make it better. All those red marks are just a chance to make your book better. Why, why would you be afraid of that? Like make it better. It's going to be great. Um, but there is, you do want to send out the, the best, the cleanest you can absolutely. because you want them to find the things that you can't find. You mm-hmm. don't want them to be finding things that you could have found because then while they're finding those things, they may miss stuff that you never, yes. that you can't find. So yes. you do want to send the absolutely cleanest draft possible. And, and I do that now that I, now that I am paying for editing, that's, I do. That's awesome 
send the cleanest draft possible. That's really good advice. Yes, the cleanest draft possible. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I have uh, <laughs> I, I, in my list of critique partners, one of them is the the lovely Bethany Vota, who is a, a phenomenal writer, and uh, I've I've sent her short things to critique in the past. You know, flash fiction, short stories, whatever. And while I'm looking for you know, pacing and plotting and character and dialogue kind of feedback from her. She can't stop herself from sending back all of the little like grammar fixes and stuff like that. And you missed the comma here and this word is misspelled and blah, blah, blah. And I always tell her like, I'm going to get to that stuff later. Like you don't have to like, she's like, I, I can't, I see it. I have to, I have to fix it. And so knowing that about her, She's going to be the last one to, to, to critique my book. She's going to get the cleanest version I could possibly get to her. And she's going to catch all those little things for me. <laughs> she's going to be my proofreader. I'll, I'll throw her a couple bucks for it because I know it's, 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 a, it's a big book. But holy crap, like, you know, just having a, a nice team like that is 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 essential, I think, to, to doing dream. it on a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. For many of us, it's a dream. We don't have a team. It's it's we can you can, can afford one. one editor. We we have the one editor. If we can't, then we find beta yeah. readers. But that's the that's the beauty of of these uh, these online author communities, whether it's on TikTok or here on on YouTube. I like much we, luck with that. <laughs> I really. Yeah, I can't I can't it. stop finding people. I keep finding people. I, I'm gonna send you some names. <laughs> I just I don't have people like offering to like I don't have time to a lot of it is you have to have time to be able to do it for them and I, exactly. I don't have it is, the time. That is so it's true. like I, I could only the only be I have one beta reader and she's not an author. She does not she just she that, just yeah, wants that's to a read beta the reader. Right. before they go out and she'll tell me if I missed something or if she doesn't understand something. Um, I don't get a lot of, it, of feedback and that's fine. Like it's what I get is, is, is very valuable and I'm just grateful to have that little bit. Sure. sure. Yeah. Beta readers are all are very different from critique partners. I always try to specify with people because a beta reader is not going to, you know, uh, give you feedback as another author they're going to give you feedback as a reader and it's a very different experience whether you're an author reading a thing or a reader reading a thing um so I yeah absolutely the reader feedback than the author feedback because authors can get wrapped up in things that readers just don't care about so you have to be careful with that there's a fine line with, with the critique where they'll be critiquing things that readers just don't care about and you could miss because i've heard stories of people who've gotten gone through these critiques with other authors and they've changed things and it got out into the wild their critique partners were happy and readers hated the book because mm. they completely missed the mark on certain tropes and things what they really needed was reader feedback to know did i hit your expectations because that's like that is way more important than making mm -hmm. another author happy there are some authors out there some of them there's some trad authors and th there's you'll hear these complaints that if you read their writing it's very basic but they're hitting what readers want so they they sell a lot of books and that's yeah. the end of the day that's what it, it's all it's all about what the reader wants and if what the reader wants is something that would make your critique partners like turn purple and run out of the room screaming then you need to make sure that they turn purple and run out of the room screaming because mm -hmm. that's what readers want and they're the ones who are buying the books so always keep that in mind with the critique partners the the lesson there i think is that whatever feedback you get from your critique partners it is still up to you as the author whether or not you're going to take their advice and make yeah. those changes um and and it is 
just as important to have the critique partners as the beta readers because as you say the, the readers are the ones that are ultimately going to be buying the I, books you know I like know I, that I, you need i've never had a critique partner so i i need it i am proof that I you maybe it. don't need that <laughs> i, I need I, it <laughs> because i need it because number one i'm, I'm, a, I'm a new writer uh, in a lot of ways like this is so my first that in place of developmental editing absolutely i can't necessarily afford to to hire two different editors to do four different you know edits of my book or whatever it is so instead i rely on other authors who have put out books that i have read and gone oh this is a really good writer i i enjoy what they're doing maybe even they share some similarities with me whatever they it might should. be if yeah absolutely it, they should be writing the same yeah. genre genre same yeah so yeah this way you know that they are i understand that yeah and with a book like mine which is kind of genre bendy you know it's a murder mystery but it's in a sci-fi fantasy world there's of course a, a romantic subplot in there so i'm gonna have a, oh, a, like a good four that's yeah, gonna be hard to sell Gen <laughs> genre bending stories are hard to sell you might if if there's more of one than the other then make that your focus it's the make, main plot is the the murder mystery it's mostly going to be um uh so it's a murder mystery that way space. yeah yeah kind of yeah <laughs> it's a murder That's mystery in space still going to be a bit of a hard sell because i'll figure it out <laughs> yeah murder, murder mysteries that's you know is it, if it is it cozy because there is sort of a crossover in like cozy there is kind of a cozy sci-fi kind of a thing what do you mean by cozy sci-fi i'm intrigued so like have you ever read have you ever read a cozy mystery so it's basically a cozy mystery set in space a cozy as in like I, 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 I'm clashing up against the word cozy. Is it because like you just kind of like no, sit like a cozy in a corner with the book? Is, is all those books like the 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 bakery caper for mm. you know the amateur sleuth? You know, or there's usually in cozy mystery, there's usually some kind of shtick. It's, yeah. it's a bakery, it's a tea shop, it's a food thing, or or it's a knitting shop. Like if there's gotcha. some kind of thing that the main character is doing that is their business, their life. And on the side, they get involved in these murder mysteries, but right. they have, it, it's still a cozy, like there's still like some romance. There's, yeah. There's it's fun. A, it sounds like, like you small know, town yeah. and there's characters who come in and out and they interact with and they build there's it's a lot about friendships and a lot there's also there's the, the it tends to be a lot of stuff about friendships you there's know, some really good ones um out there's a lot of really really good ones out there they're a lot of fun to read i definitely wouldn't market your book as a cozy sci-fi unless you read cozy books and made sure because there's certain things that that the cozy word is synonymous with that if you don't have you'll get in big trouble yeah i don't think that mine would qualify as a cozy one like you know the, the main character is, is a is a detective it's a detective mystery there's there's a serial killer kind of deal going on with the with the with the mystery so so yeah i, I don't know that i would call it a cozy one um that being said there is there is a lot of like relationshipy stuff in it not necessarily okay. like like uh romance necessarily but there's you know there's it's an ensemble cast even though yeah. i have a main character there's an ensemble cast they all have their own point of view chapters and they kind of all weave in uh to to each other's stories so there's there's definitely that kind is of it, like intermingling kind of thing yeah is it set in like a spaceship or a space station a space station kind of deal okay, yeah because yeah. then you kind of need that interplay of dynamics because a space station is it's a closed environment yeah 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 so it's gonna be cool it's uh you know as as far as the the you know marketing this thing that's 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 a challenge that's gonna that we're be gonna tricky get to because yeah science fiction science fiction breaks down to there's the there's the hard science fiction and 
and they want lots of science in their sci-fi then yeah. there's the space opera where they want like star wars-esque you know that kind of thing we all know what space opera is and then there's uh, there's other parts of sci-fi uh there's more like sociology sociological sort of sort of stories um and there's like near 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 earth near near there's the near future and then there's the far future there's mm -hmm. all different little niches and like uh so you if you're i think you could do well it if you can manage to hit like one of these things like if you're gonna do actually like for a murder mystery it should probably be hard sci-fi because um what's his name i can't think of him i read the book too and i can't think of his name <laughs> um something reynolds uh he does he's done some murder mysteries and sort of but he writes very hard sci-fi mm. like very physics filled I love it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it um, works, it works. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I, I consider myself a little lucky. I, I, I don't have to uh, worry about this my, by myself. I do have uh, a producer and and uh, and a marketer um, who are are working with me. They're they're actually like investing in the thing. You know what I mean? So it's um, it's all. I mean, I've known these dudes my entire life. They're basically what's, my brothers. What's a producer uh, for a book? Like I don't well. Know. I have a I call, I call him my producer because because oh. it's more than just the book necessarily. He helps like all the, all the uh, the like this mic for example he got for me you know like so yeah he uh you know the the his brother works for one of the big three marketing companies in the in the country he he told me not to say which one so I can't but uh, but he you know he's one of these dudes that makes like seven figures a year marketing stuff so like. He and his be brother. Asking you for marketing advice. Maybe not me. Maybe him. Like, <laughs> and I had him actually on live stream Sunday. I brought him on, and he was on here like maybe two or three seasons ago. He was on a couple seasons ago, and uh, and we did an entire episode where he just shared some marketing knowledge with us all. So um, definitely feel free to uh, to to watch that if you if you want some pointers. But I'm going to defer to his expertise when it comes to this because uh, as a first time writer so many authors have given me advice and uh and i have very uh you know maybe foolhardily uh, uh ignored a lot of it <laughs> you know because yeah. uh, marketing you know, books is very different from marketing anything else oh sure yeah my very specific. job is so is it is i work for a large company and marketing i i work very closely with their marketing department and it's very what we what we do we also have very small margins which makes it be careful how much you spend and, and how much oh, yeah. you're hoping to get to make back because yeah. we you're you're the entry you know most first and series books are free so you know you're not making anything back on mine that. will not be mine mine will, will probably be full price because it's, it's going to be a big we, we we need to make our money back um yeah these guys are, are literally investing in the uh in the in the publication yeah. and there's, we, there's also a contraction in the market with everything going on and the inflation so yeah the prices that that the market will bear is maybe not the same now than it, as it was then especially if you're going to be in in on amazon like there's not as much elasticity in prices on there for certain genres like getting above 399 is is sort of hard it's definitely a lot of factors to it absolutely yeah. we we're we have obviously we haven't uh set in stone any kind of 
final mm-hmm. plan yet because we I'm can't. still edit. I'm still editing the book. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we can't yet. But but we have had a, a few meetings about options. And you know, on one hand, we could put it out entirely ourselves and and not even do the Amazon thing. Like there's so many other ways that we could go about it. Yeah. Uh, we we even toyed with the idea of uh, putting the digital version out as an app, like not even like you know sell the digital version through Amazon just like it's an app that you can download on your phone and now you have my book on your phone like there's so many different ways that we can there go are, about there doing. are I would yeah. look into I would not limit yourself with KU and I would look at all of them because especially in with the way things are changing the more places you can be the more ways that somebody can interact with your story and the better yeah absolutely absolutely now Aside from marketing the, th- the things, uh, <laughs> the uh, the process of, of writing the book can be a, a very lonely one, um, especially if if you're not uh, you know talking to your characters as, as much as it sounds like you do. Uh, it sounds like you have a lot more fun with your characters. That with me, it's always more like what are, what is this guy going to do next? I, I don't really like I don't often let them yeah. dictate what what happens, so to speak. So um, how does that like affect? your like timeline do you do you set like actual like goals for dates to finish it or do you just kind of let it happen what what's that like in in writing these these stories for you i i set dates and sometimes we make them sometimes we don't (laughs) sometimes that due date just flies right past (laughs) yeah because sometimes like right now they're doing something that would break the lore and i have to figure out like is there certain circumstances where it wouldn't actually break the law how set in stone are the rules like these rules are like in in the first book and i write everything about the same world in the same country so Mm. and these these have been established especially being fantasy right like fantasy readers are very very you know hardcore about like the rules of the magic system the rules of the world and it like all like making sense in the end yeah absolutely gotta think about that yeah yeah so that that can kind of like elongate your plans it sounds like yeah yeah but at the same time like once i find a solution for whatever problem they thrown at me like i could finish it pretty quickly like depending on where the problem came up like in the previous book that i was writing a problem came up in the last third and i was like oh how are we gonna do this and it took, it took me a few weeks to figure it out but once i did like i wrote the end of it pretty quickly because i had already res- i had I wrote around it as much as possible and when I finally figured out how to deal with this I I didn't have much left to write. <laughs> I had written most of it. So That's awesome. I like the idea of uh chip of, away at it, you know. Yeah, of chipping away <laughs> at it. That's exactly what I was going to say cuz it sounds like, you know, with with uh with you like listening to the app reading it back to you and being able to edit it edit it for for lack of a better term while you're doing it um yeah it just sounds like you could you can write the whole book without even feeling like you sat down to write that sounds fun i mean sometimes like i'll, <laughs> I'll be like wait a minute oh, i've had this happen a few times where i actually finished writing the book and didn't realize it and wrote like the first act of the next book and because i was because of that process because when yeah. i the ai is reading it back to me stop reading the entire thing kept, to me yeah, it's going back going. to whatever point i whatever plot point I've decided is like, that's from here to here is what I'm working on. And if, as the book gets near the near and near to the end, like that moves, it shifts, it shifts further and further back in the book. And I might only be listening to like the last 10 chapters and then going forward, if 
the book only needed like three or four chapters and it was done, I might not. It's happened so many times that like characters joke about it in the newsletter. <laughs> I I might steal this idea of having characters write my newsletters because that just sounds like fun. <laughs> it is so much fun. I've been doing it since 2017 and readers love it. That they sounds really them. fun. They can email the characters. They write back. That's fun. And especially like wanting to build hype for the book coming out, you know, the newsletter subscribers that I already have, uh, they haven't read any of that stuff yet. They haven't read the book yet. So it might be kind of interesting to like send them an email written by the villain or by the, the main character or whatever it is. That sounds fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. And I mean, it worked for me because I had, I had no life. I worked <laughs> and I wrote and that was it. Um, I had a really long commute for work. So it wasn't time to do anything else. So it's like, what am I going to put in this newsletter? I can't have pets where I live. I don't have kids. Like, what else am I going to talk about? <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. I like it. Melinda. Yes. I asked you this in the in the previous uh, show. I'll ask you again. Is there Was there anything else that we wanted to cover uh, on, on uh, today's shows that we haven't gotten to yet? I feel like we, we, we've powered through so much already. Um, so, sorry, my kids are just walking through. Oh. <laughs> See, you've got kids you can talk about. I don't have that. <laughs> they don't want to know about my kids. <laughs> they subscribe to an author newsletter. They want to know about the books. They don't care about my kids. <laughs> um, they might. I don't know. <laughs> I was just going to say that my my latest book, Chris Baker Revealed, the ninth book in the series, if we don't count the prequels and side quests and other things came out on september 27th and um, nice Very it was nice. it was a really fun book to write they did get me into a they did get into a lot of trouble that i had to find creative solutions for was this <laughs> and, the one that took you like a year to find the solution for the thing? That was no a one. no was the book one. that took me a year was this one actually curse breaker hidden right on and this is probably 130,000 words. But yeah, they got into a situation where there was like no, there was no surviving it. And thankfully I had something that I I had put in, it was just sort of a throwaway thing that I put in Curse Baker Darkens, the second book. And as I was rereading it, I was like, oh, okay. So I had the solution here all along. And what I, what I, the problem that comes up in the third book is they find this crystal that it eats magic. And we, it just like That's a black a hole. It just sucks in more and more and more. And my mage, sorry, can't survive without magic. So we had sort of a problem. We need to get rid of this crystal, but there's also a monster roaming around. And like, as they do. Yeah. And then he got into a, he got into a, he got into a altercation with this, with this dark lord. And the dark lord like wanted his magic and he didn't really want his magic and it came down to like he accidentally gave it up so now he has no magic which he can't survive with it, he still had it but it was blocked and there's this crystal that's eating magic there's these monsters that are roaming around and he can't do anything except and he's got his, his son is with him this entire time <laughs> so he's trying to protect the little boy and and now suddenly he's like wait a minute i actually need the magic back how do i get it back and, and, you know, if you don't have the ability to shield and there's things falling, you end up with a concussion. Like, it, things got really bad. And yeah. I'm like, how the heck am I going to save them? And I need to do it in a way that doesn't break the lore. And then I found in Chris Baker Darkens, the second book, that I had this little 
organism that makes magic and it lives in the water and there's a heck of a lot of water under there and it was already yes. under the mountain in the area where they were and i was like oh here we go we've got the answer there's this thing that Perfect. makes magic so you'll have to read the book to see how that all yeah. plays out but i did find a way to save everybody the brilliant thing about that is that the reader has no idea that you uh, clashed into this particular problem. To them, it seems like, oh, she planted the solution back in that's book my, two. That's what my she knew what she said. was doing all along. That's what my said. She's like, that part, the Andrea, she's like, that is so cool. And I was like, thanks. It saved their lives. <laughs> yeah, thank God that was there. <laughs> it's and funny, for, you know. That's the quote the from Neil Gaiman. Save you. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that was that's the uh, the quote from Neil Gaiman, right? Uh, Terry Pratchett says that the the first the process of writing the first draft is the process of you telling yourself the story, and then Neil Gaiman finishes the thought with the process of writing your second draft is the process of making it look like you knew what you were doing all along. Yep. And that's kind of like what I'm getting from this. Like, oh, like it just looks like you just knew what you were doing the whole time. Like they don't need to know how hard it was for you yeah. to figure it out. <laughs> they have no idea that I got halfway through the book and I was like, I have no way to save him. That's how do bananas. I get his magic back? How do I keep this thing from killing him? Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Ms. Cusera, this has been fantastic. Uh, this is uh, a good half hour podcast, so I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here. But thank you so very much for joining me. Thank you for all of your knowledge and experience and uh, and your great advice. And uh, I, I, I can't wait to uh, to talk to you again in, maybe next year with uh, you know seven more books under your belt. <laughs> sure, I'd love to come back. This is fun. This was this was a blast. This was fantastic. Thank you so very much. This goes up on Thursday, so uh, be, be sure to let your your people know that they can catch it on that day. And and it's all over the place. It'll be here Probably on YouTube. Send It'll links. So I oh yeah, I'll send you everything you need. Cool. Absolutely, of course. Um, this will probably get uploaded uh, uh, tomorrow night ish. So you should have everything by Tuesday. All right. Well, for everybody at home, thank you so much for joining us and for listening, for downloading and for following the instructions on the screen that tells you to like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Please just, you know, do as you're told. <laughs> and for everybody else, uh, come back next time. This is a Thursday podcast. We'll come back on Sunday for Jack Atkins. I can't wait to talk to him. And he comes very highly recommended by Melinda Cusera as well. So it's going to be a fun time. And uh, he writes books about dragons. So he does. Join me, you know, if you like anything like this, or like this, Lord of the Rings, uh, Song of Ice and Fire, there's dragons everywhere. We all love dragons. Let's yep, do it. I write about them too. <laughs> I, I don't have, I, I actually, I actually do have a dragon in my first one. So there is a dragon in my book as well. He's a little guy, but yeah. Yeah. A little teaser. All right, y'all. <laughs> Until next time, right on writers. We out. <laughs>